Maya back again, guys. I have one more update for y'all. My Take now has a Patreon. I'm trying to expand the My Take community and also expand my earnings a little bit by creating a Patreon. We have three tiers, and in the top tier, we're actually starting a My Take book club. So anybody who joins, we're going to be reading a book together a month, and there's going to be monthly live streams and Discord benefits. So I'd really, really, really appreciate it if you could go check it out. The link is in the show notes. Hey guys, it's Maya, and I just wanted to jump on here and promote my takes Instagram really quick because we're doing a lot of fun things. I'm doing more posts, more stories, and I also have to say I've started a new series called The Bottom Shelf, and it's video reviews, IGTV video reviews, and I think they're super fun, and they're all on the Instagram, so go follow my take on social media and specifically on Instagram at underscore my take. So today's episode is another Kit Frick mystery novel, so I was very excited. All Eyes on Us, by Kit Frick, obviously, follows Amanda, the golden girl of her high school, and Rosalie, a closeted gay girl who both receive texts from an anonymous number threatening to spill all their secrets. And what makes it interesting is Amanda and Rosalie are both dating the same guy, Carter, who's like the town's golden boy. And I was very interested in this book because Kit Frick wrote I Killed Zoe Spanos, which I loved, and it is another mystery. And if you've read that book, go check out my episode on it. It was so much fun. I loved that book so much. It was great. But this book wasn't as good. I was very excited, and the only reason I read it really was Kit Frick, and because it sounded very interesting and very Pretty Little Liars-esque. It wasn't as good, but I read it, so we're here to talk about it. Books, TV, music, and movies. All things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest reads, anyone who listen, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I'm Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. always with a book we were going to start with a little bit on the writing and the writing was fine the mystery was not necessarily the reveal I wanted in the end and we will talk about that at the end obviously I'll talk about the end and the reveal and everything but because of that it kind of makes it hard to say anything more about the writing because with a mystery obviously you need some base level of writing right like you don't want Stephanie Meyer or E.L. James like shit writing in any kind of book but with a mystery you can get away with just like lackluster normal book writing as long as you have a good mystery that's bringing you in but with this the mystery was just so eh to me that I didn't necessarily have anything to say on the writing it didn't jump out at me it was just like eh too and obviously it was nice that we saw both point of views but we had to see both point of views because otherwise this wouldn't be very interesting even if we just saw one point of view. So yeah, moving on to the plot, we start with New Year's Eve and Amanda and Carter are at the New Year's Eve party with old money and sitting on boards and everyone perfectly made up such bullshit and I wanted to gag so much and like this is why initially I didn't like Amanda because of all this and because of her polite society and all this bullshit like she grew on me she becomes more 
okay and great as a character when you see the pressure she has on her from her parents to marry Carter and save them from their debt and the fact that her mom is an alcoholic, which nobody should have to go through, and her parents should not be putting pressure of their debt on her and a marriage in a high school relationship. Like, that is not okay. So that's why, like, when you see where her character comes from and why she works so hard to try to hang on to this image, it makes a lot more sense and I can grow to appreciate her as a character and grow to actually enjoy reading from her point of view. But definitely in the beginning from this point of view, I was like, bitch, get out of here. Like, I hated this. But that is where she gets the first text. And I like that Amanda knows Carter was with Rosalie and Rosalie knew he was with Amanda, but Carter thought that he was super slick and playing them off of each other. Like, I like how the girls were a lot smarter and were like, bitch, you thought, but like, we know the truth. Like, it was great. I love that. And we see Rosalie on New Year's Eve too, and (sighs) we see her fucking church and her fucking parents. And I'm glad she has Paulina, and I'm glad she has Lily, but I hate Rosalie's life, and I just... I hate that she's to live the life that she does. Like, I just want to wrap her up in a blanket and make sure that she's okay and, like, pick her and Paulina up and put them on a deserted island where all they get to do is just be with each other because I fucking hated her life. And, like, it just sucks so much. And, like, the extent that her parents go and have gone in the past and the fact that the entire time we see flashbacks from her having to go through conversion therapy, and the fact that her parents won't even believe that she's not gay if she just isn't dating anybody. Like, she has to develop a fake relationship with somebody because her parents won't believe her otherwise. Like, it just... And the fact that she has to get high to go out with Carter. Like, I hate her life. I hate her life so much. And it sucks. And it's interesting to see the development of them as characters in how Rosalie and Amanda are actually very similar, even though they're very different people in very different circumstances. At their core, they're kind of very similar. So that's definitely interesting. And I like the friendship that blossoms with them throughout the entire time. Like that obviously is what carries the book. You have the presence of the mystery, but what carries the book is them trying to figure it out in their relationship that they built throughout it. But it was definitely interesting to see the two girls' lives and to see how similar they are now, like, looking back on it and to know how similar they are. But Amanda and Carter's relationship, like, he cheated a year after they got together. He was like, oh yeah, the summer before sophomore year, I came home from camp and he was cheating on me. Like, girl, why are you still with him? We know why she's still with him, because She goes to her mother, and her mother's like, you need to make allowances for him. If your leash is too tight, he will snap it and not want to be with you. Like, fuck you. No, 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 no. No, you should not be with him. You deserve better. If you see your man, or you see your woman, or you see your non-gender conforming person cheating on you. You leave them because you deserve better and you don't have to make allowances because love should be amazing and accepting and the person should only want to be with you unless you have an open marriage. But even then, they should want to be with you and you should have discussed it being an open marriage. Like, you do not stay with a cheater. Fuck you. Fuck her mom. Like, I hated it so, 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 so much. And speaking of Amanda, I've already explained how, like, it was took me a little bit to get on the Amanda train, 
But then it takes her so fucking long to realize that these texts are sinister. And then she thinks it's Rosalie, which we know is bullshit. So it was a little bit hard for me. But now looking back, I'm like, I judged her too quickly for thinking it's Rosalie. Obviously, the first thing you're going to think is that it's the other woman. So that makes a little more sense. But have you not seen Pretty Little Liars? Like, do you not know when you get texts from a random number? Usually it's sinister. Like, obviously, yes, And there is some good in the fact that she's trying to play it off and she's trying to keep her cool. But, like, girl, come on. Like, let's, you know, wisen up here. Realize that sometimes shit is sinister. And Rosalie and Paulina, we see them in the clearing in the woods. And I love that they have that clearing and I love their space together and stuff. And, like, Paulina is such an amazing and supportive girlfriend and I love her. We also learn, speaking of amanda and carter's relationship that adele amanda's best friend hooked up with carter when carter and amanda were kind of on a break like right after they went on a break which like why are you still friends with adele because adele clearly is just friends with you because she wants to hang out with carter and thinks that she has a chance with carter and why are you still with carter because he's hooking up with anything with a vagina like no 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 Ugh. And then she just, like, flirts with David in front of Carter, which I thought she should just drop Carter for David right there and then. Obviously, this is before we know what David does. But I was like, yeah, get with David. He's older. He's hot. You know, he's fine. Like, get with him. Problem solved. You're not with Carter anymore. And then Rosalie's fucking father makes her pray with her little sister because she's 15 minutes late, come home, and she didn't call. Like, fuck you, it's 15 minutes. Like, maybe she got held up at work. Maybe something happened, right? Like, I just, it's so over the top, and I hate it so, so, so much. And then Amanda threatens Rosalie over their school email, which, like, girl, do you not know your school email is monitored? Like, that was the first thing Rosalie pointed out, and I was very happy that she did that because, duh. But she threatens Rosalie over the school email, and obviously Rosalie responds and was like, hey, the texts aren't me. And then we have the locker thing with Amanda, and I thought we were past locker vandalism. Like, I really thought we were past this. Like, why the fuck is this in every single book? Why? What world are you living in? In so many books, is it not 13 reasons? In, uh, to all the boys, doesn't Laura Jean's locker get something says slut or something like why are we still doing stupid shit to lockers like I went to four years of public high school and the most I'd ever seen done to a locker was have somebody decorate it for somebody's birthday which is a little obnoxious but at least it's like cute happy birthday vibes obnoxious not threatening gross terrible vibes obnoxious like I thought we were done with locker vandalism why is it still in books I swear to god Every person who's ever written a locker vandalism thing makes me think you never went to high school because I've never seen it done. Or otherwise, I didn't do high school right because I've never seen it done. But it's like, fucking hell, can we move past locker vandalism already? So that really took the sting out of the locker vandalism scene for me because I was like, fuck you, we're done with locker vandalism. Like, doesn't A never actually do locker vandalism in Pretty Little Liars because they actually know? Like, Pretty Little Liars was a fucked up, complicated, not very well plotted out show. But if we say never do locker vandalism, 
as far as I know, I don't really remember. I think I watched all of it, but, like, it was a while ago. If you're gonna watch Pretty Little Liars, watch the first two seasons and then quit while you're ahead. But, anyways, that takes us thing out of the locker vandalism thing, but also we now see that Amanda needs to have a very public breakup with Carter before Carter's birthday. And then Rosalie's dad gives her a purity ring, which, ironic, and Carter thinks that Amanda did the locker thing to herself, which is very ironic. Irony all around in this scene, really, now reading back on it. It's like the Once Upon a Time meme where Rumpelstiltskin's like, when you see the future, there's irony everywhere. That's what this scene is because he really is like, like, he doesn't have to keep up this facade with Rosalie, right? Like, he really doesn't have to. He really doesn't need to talk about this because Rosalie hasn't told him about the text, but he does. Like, he's just deranged. And then Private tells Amanda to out Rosalie to her dad. And, like, thank fucking God she doesn't. Don't- I'm not thanking the fucking God that Rosalie's parents pray to, but, like, thank whatever God is out there that Amanda doesn't out Rosalie. But then Amanda tells Private that she's not doing it, which, like, fuck you. Once again, have you never seen Pretty Little Liars? Like, even if you're not doing it, you don't- Tell the fucking anonymous number that you're not doing it. You wait, you hold it in, and then when you don't do it, after the deadline, you're gonna get another threatening text, but at least it's just gonna be another threatening text. You don't fucking- No! Girl! Sometimes the way Amanda handled this situation was not okay, because no. And so then, at least Private doesn't take it out on Rosalie. I really thought Private was gonna email Rosalie's dad themselves, But instead, he just delivers all the pictures of Carter and Rosalie to Amanda's house, which, like, as much as it sucked for Amanda, that was the much better outcome, clearly, because Rosalie still got to keep her secret and got to continue living her life. And then Private tells Rosalie she needs to out herself by breaking up with Carter, which, knowing the ending, makes no fucking sense. Like, I will get to this at the end, but, like, Private tells Rosalie she needs to out herself and break up with Carter, which, like, why? And why do they need to record it? Like, I mean, I get why you need to record it, but, like, no. No, no, no. And then Amanda doesn't want to join forces with Rosalie, which, like, again, fucking idiot. She's the only one who knows what you're going through. But then gets high with David and gets locked in the track, which, like, I I don't know. Hop a fence, maybe? Like, this didn't seem like the biggest of deals that she got locked at the track. And, like, why would you get high with David when you barely know him? Like, Amanda's just her life decisions sometimes. And then Rosalie does end it with Carter, but she doesn't out herself, so Private's not happy, which, like, fuck off. She did what you wanted. And then Carter gets into the accident and is suddenly convinced that it's God's plan for him and Rosalie to be together and is insanely, insanely possessive about it, which, like, no, fuck you, and I don't understand, like, I don't, I don't, but I will puzzle through the ending and the ending, so, continuing on, soldiering on, Amanda tells her mom everything, and her mom tells her not to go to the cops, but she goes to the cops anyways, and I was very proud of her for this, but then her mom tells the police Amanda is mentally unstable, so they bring false reporting charges against her, which, first of all, I was very grateful that the book actually raised this issue because there's so many times when shit like this happens with, like, um, well, okay, the one example that's coming to my mind is, like, Outer Banks and Sarah at the end of it with her dad, but 
shit like this happens and they never actually talk about like what false reporting would do so I was grateful the false reporting thing happened but I was so fucking pissed at our mom because I was like Amanda is actually doing the right thing because she should have gone to the police a while ago but it fucking sucks especially knowing what happens with her mom and then Amanda and Rosalie are finally working together takes them too fucking long to do this and bonding and it takes four fucking ever but Amanda finally realizes her parents' debt is not her issue to solve, and I was so proud of her when she realized that because, yes. And then they're at the benefit. Well, Amanda's at the benefit, and she gets drugged and ends up in the hospital, and her mom blames her and thinks that she's an alcoholic, which, like, irony, but also fuck off. Like, her mom was so unlikable, and I I don't want to use that word because I was in the podcast unlikable female characters which i totally fucking love that podcast and everybody should go listen to that podcast and i think i'm gonna do an episode on it pretty soon but i listened to that podcast and they recently have talked about how we shouldn't be talking about characters as unlikable because that means we're putting the onus on the characters to make them let to make like so it's their responsibility for us to like them, right? So we're basically, by calling somebody unlikable, we're saying they are not capable of being liked, not that just, like, I don't like them, right? And they talk about that with a bunch of different archetypes. But I think that Rosalie's mom goes past it and, like, is just fucking unlikable. But basically, that was a long tangent to say Rosalie's mom is just fucking stupid and I hear her. And then it's Carter's birthday, which is the penultimate day because this is when Amanda is supposed to have broken up with him by, and she gets sent to CVS by Carter's dad, where Ben and David kidnap her, and they have a gun, and Rosalie, thankfully, does all the right things and calls the police and finds Amanda and gets the gun, and we learn that Ben and David were just hired by Carter, and I was very grateful, because when we thought it was Ben and David, I was like, fuck you, this cannot be the most basic, obvious revenge story. Like, we already have set the premise that Ben and David's father was fucked over by Carter, and there's some bad blood there. So when we thought it was Ben and David, I literally was like, no, and I put my book down. I was like, this cannot be the end. This cannot be the most basic, cooked-up revenge scheme of all time. So it wasn't. But we were, and they were hired by Carter, because he's done with the Carter Shaw life. And Rosalie is really smart with how she approaches the cops, so it all works out, and, like, Carter gets taken away to juvie, and Amanda's mom was stealing from the museum, so it works out with Carter's dad, which is why she was such a bitch about the cops and everything. And Rosalie is safe, and she's living with Paulina's family, and she's an LGBTQ plus advocate, so she's going to be okay. And Carter gets sent to a youth facility. Amanda's parents are figuring it out. She's going to NYU, but spending her first year in Paris, which I love for her. And Paulina and Rosalie are living together and going to school together, and Paulina is getting to see Lily, and Amanda and Rosalie have this bond, and they can talk to each other when they have a Carter moment, and, like, I love them. So, to wrap up this episode and to finally address the ending, the ending didn't make much sense. Like, okay, I get the fact that you want to be done with being Carter Shaw, but presumably, if you're wanting... Amanda to have a very big public breakup with you, she would admit that you were cheating, right? Like, if you're gonna have a big public breakup, you're not gonna paint yourself as the villain. Like, she's gonna be like, because you cheated on me. So why? Like, he wanted to get out from being Carter Shaw without being the villain, but she's gonna break up with you and out that you were cheating on her a ton, you're still gonna be called the villain. And like, I don't understand 
like, I don't know if he thought he'd get sympathy because of the town they live in and people would be like, oh, they don't understand that she needs to make allowances for him cheating. And then the whole attachment to Rosalie was such pathetic. Like, it was so pathetic after the accident. And, like, so was the goal to always end up with Rosalie? Was the goal just to get Amanda break up with you and then you finally thought, oh, I can be with Rosalie? Like, I didn't understand what was going on, and I didn't really see it. Like, I get the whole I'm done with being Carter Shaw and I can't just walk away from my life thing, but you could just walk away from your life. There's so many other ways you could walk away from your life, and it just makes no fucking sense the way they did it. And, like, the premise was very interesting, and it gets compared to Pretty Little Liars, and it actually is a very good comparison because Pretty Little Liars, I watched, like, a 50-minute YouTube video analyzing Pretty Little Liars, kind of soon after I read this book because I was in the mood for, like, some sort of Pretty Little Liars-esque thing. And they talked about how it actually, like, you could tell PLL was always going to have a downfall because of I, Marlene King and because she was so obsessed with building up the story into something that the fans wouldn't guess as opposed to giving the fans a cohesive narrative and a thing that made sense. And it kind of felt like this, too. Like, obviously, it couldn't have been Ben and David, and I was very grateful it wasn't, but it felt like I don't know. I, like, I thought it was going to be one of the friends, and I thought there was going to be this big thing. Like, it would have made sense if it was Adele who wanted to get Carter, or if it was one of the other friends because of something Carter had done or something. Like, I thought it would actually be really interesting if you built up this other narrative from one of the friends, and also because the friends because become such side characters. Like, the main characters really are Amanda and Rosalie and, like, kind of Carter. Are there only three really developed characters? I mean, Ben and David have a backstory, so they're more developed than the rest of the friends, but it's, like, the friends have become kind of just side characters, and so it's, like, I wanted it to be one of the friends. Like, I wanted there to be suspicion cast among all of the friend group. I wanted it to be really interesting. You kind of were red-herring me with, um, Alexander or whoever. Uh, one of the two guys in the gay couple in Amanda's friend group, I can't remember their names, but you were kind of red-herring it, and it just felt like you were trying to build something up so that we wouldn't guess who it was as opposed to actually giving us a cohesive narrative. I mean, I get it, like, Carter's the only one that had contact with the two of them, whatever, but it would have been much more interesting if you'd seen, like, somebody really going through great lengths to, like, stalk Carter and watch Carter and really want to take Carter down, and that's why they were doing all of this, not just Carter wanted out of his life. So, I don't know who else it would have been, but it should have been somebody else, and I think it would have been better and so, this definitely ranks far below I Killed Zoe Spanos in my Kit Frick list of books, because I Killed Zoe Spanos was great and amazing, and the mystery in that was amazing. So, yeah, I have been Maya Ghosh, and this has been my take on All Eyes on Us by Kit Frick. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris, who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore my take on Twitter and Instagram. And please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.